Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us. I want to see if you've checked out Real Crowd. They're kind of interesting. You can invest small amounts of money on large institutional quality commercial real estate deals, and you're doing it with sponsors who are very experienced. Check out realcrowd.com. Well, today we're going to talk about logistics. We're going to talk about industrial. We can't do that without talking about retail and e-commerce and the impact uh, on the economy. We're going to talk about the cycle. We're going to talk about interest rates impact on real estate. Hey, is it time to buy or sell industrial real estate? Everyone was curious about this cycle. It's been a, been a long one. It's been a good one. Seems like good times are ahead of us. Let's see what's happening. Please welcome my first guest, Barbara Denham. She's an economist with Reese, and she's joining us on the phone. Barbara, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. So, so Barbara, you can't make decisions today about uh, if you're a user of industrial warehouse distribution space or or an investor without looking at how the industry is performing, you know, what are you seeing for rental rates and, and occupancy trends around the country? Well, the industrial market has been very strong. Uh, warehouse and distribution, the vacancy rates have been declining steadily. In the second quarter, it fell to 9.7 uh, from, from 9.9 .9 last quarter and even as high as 10.3 last year. So we're seeing really strong, robust net absorption uh, across the country, really. And in terms of job, uh, rent growth rates, rent growth rates in the second quarter was 0.6%, which is on par with where it was in the last few quarters. So the industrial sector is doing very, very well, but it's never going to be the darling of the real estate industry like the apartment market is, where rents can go up 2% a quarter. You know, it's just that really stable, strong industry where, we're, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a favored one by people, by investors who like steady cash flow, but it's never going to be so robust that we're going to see so, such strong growth. Because if this had been the apartment market, we'd see much higher rent growth rates than this. Right. And part of that's because just the demand, right? So how is the economy and e-commerce uh, impacting industrial and warehouse space? And what do you expect moving forward? Well, the e-commerce is having a huge impact on the industrial space. Warehouse and di distribution growth is very strong. Even if you look at the employment statistics, the employment in the warehouse and distribution space is 5% year over year. That's above 1.6% nationally. So I, I think there's a lot of optimism for the e-commerce business in general. It's going to be taking more and more away from the bricks-and-mortar retail sector. And I think there's this general sense that this is going to continue. So there's a lot of optimism about the warehouse and distribution space going forward. But what we're seeing is a lot of developers are, have caught on to this. So we're seeing a lot of very strong construction across the country to capture more and more of um, this net absorption. So we may con we'll continue to see occupancy growth, but and the vacancy rates will decline at a slow rate, but it's hard for rent growth to go to grow robustly when you have construction growing at the same rate as an absorption. Yeah, that's true, and it's interesting to see um, industrial developers building spec space because I think of industrial uh, developers as as being so conservative, and uh, but we're certainly seeing them uh, build the space, and it looks like we need it, and it seems like the, there's good consumer confidence out there. What do you see uh, in that arena? Yeah, the consumer confidence is a lot stronger than we would have thought at this stage in the cycle, um, so that definitely drives a lot of consumption. There's not that much of an influence of the consumer, or I should say, the correlation between consumer confidence and sales 
isn't that strong, but it's still high enough right now that I think the consumption indicators that you're looking at with, within the GDP measures are very, very steady, growing at about 2% per year. So that momentum should carry forward for the next few quarters, and I, that will certainly affect um, e-commerce going forward. I think the bigger driver for e-commerce and consumption in general is this, the current stock market surge. As, um, as many people believe, the stock market increasing creates what's called a wealth effect. So people just feel wealthier when they know their stock portfolios are higher, and that drives a lot of consumption as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And another thing that seems to help people have confidence, too, is when their home values are rising. What do you see in the residential market and the impact there? Yeah, the housing market is really starting to pick up recently. But I think a lot of analysts and uh, experts would have thought that the housing market would have come on a little bit more robustly at this point in the cycle. So homeowners are feeling very secure and very confident, but they're not putting their housing, their homes on the market. So the inventory of available homes is pretty tight, which means prices are going up. And that's great for the homeowners, but for those who are really dying to get into the homeowning market, it's very frustrating because they're facing higher and higher prices, so they're kind of stuck in the rental market. And what's really good about buying homes, as we saw in the last cycle, is it also drives a lot of ancillary consumption, like furniture and lawn care and, you know, uh, the Home Depot type of spending. So we, that is picking up. It's just not increasing at the same rate as people would have assumed this deep into the expansion. So we're still seeing a lot of people kind of in the apartment market frustrated by the lack of available supply of um, homes for sale. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It's interesting to see what all this means for the economy and the cycle and where we are in the cycle and what that means moving forward. So we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk to Barbara Denham some more, the economist with Reese, about where we are in the cycle, what are some cap rates in this sector, and what we should expect moving forward. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we are talking industrial, we're talking logistics, we're talking warehousing and retail. Uh, this segment is brought to you by BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Check out that website if you have a development, a project that you want a video on. They do an incredible job. My guest is Barbara Denham. She's an economist with Reese. And Barbara, before the break, we were talking about and the economic impact and some of the things going on in the U.S. and around the world that are impacting uh, the cycle and cap rates and investment sales. So if you can, start us out with, with cap rates. It seems like on some of these very nice, large, industrial, institutional-sized uh, properties that we've seen some pretty low cap rates uh, in the industrial market. Yeah, we're seeing some low cap rates across the country, but on average they have 
trended uh, a little bit flat over the last 16 months. In fact, what we're seeing is cap rates are a little higher than they were at this point in 2015. So they were flat uh, for, again, about 12 months, and they're just a little bit higher. So they went from about 7.4 percent from 2015 and 2016 to 20 to 7.5%. And it's surprising because it goes against the, the stronger rent trends. But I think the industrial sector is more of a niche market, and you really need to know the types of um, the needs in this, you know, in this industry. There's a lot of REITs that buy industrial properties. But for the novice investor, I think it's very hard to get into the in- industrial sector. That being said, we are seeing an increase in uh, sales volume compared to a year ago. I think people were pretty conservative in 2016, and now uh, things are better. But now, I think what, what this represents is the, a disparity across the country. There's just some markets. The big markets are doing a lot better than the smaller markets, markets like um, San Bernardino, Riverside. Atlanta is doing very well. Uh, Houston. The big markets are getting bigger and better. And I think some of the smaller markets are um, not getting maybe the, the, their proportionate share of the business. So I see cap rates did fall in the West, and they were below uh, 7% right now. But it's a, it's a very volatile measure. You know, we see a lot of volatility quarter to quarter. Um, but they are lower in the West than they are in, say, the U.S. in general. Okay. And, of course, one of the things that has some impact on cap rates are interest rates. So what do you expect moving forward for mortgage interest rates for commercial real estate properties and potential impact on uh, cap rates? Well, you know, the interest rate question has been the biggest enigma throughout this recovery. People are wondering why, first of all, why inflation rate has stayed so low. And the Fed funds rate has gone up three times in the last three quarters. And yet you're not seeing a huge impact in either the 10-year rate or in cap rates. In fact, we did the uh, capital markets briefing earlier this week, and we showed cap rates actually declined um, over the last nine months, because I think what's happening is that people are looking at the real estate sector as a safe investment. So more people are buying into the real estate market, even though the sales volume outside of industrial is lower. They're buying better properties. So when you we have limited, a little um, smaller pool of investment dollars, but they're buying better properties. So you're seeing um, those kind of better quality buildings trading for a lower cap rate, but. You know, that's defying the interest rate trend in general. Going forward, the only thing that will really drive interest rates up is some sense that inflation is going to go up. And with the state of things in Washington, until there's a tax reform plan or an infrastructure plan or even a deregulatory plan, I don't think anyone thinks that uh, inflation is going to go up. And inflation doesn't go above 2%. The Fed funds rate will probably only go up maybe one or two more times in the next year and a half. So it's a very, it's a very interesting uh, economy in that, you know, we're not, even though we have such low unemployment, we're just not seeing the inflation that you would normally see at this stage in the cycle. Yeah, well, that's interesting because it's hard to, to tell the, <laughs> the future, right? We, we all wish we had a crystal ball, but the things that, that you're telling us here seem to indicate to me and tell me if, if I'm wrong here that because of the increased demand for commercial real estate in the U.S. and, and, and also from abroad for U.S. properties, if interest rates are going to still stay 
relatively low and have very small increases that you might see uh, flat cap rates, especially for industrial real estate, for, what, a couple more years? Yeah, you could see flat cap rates. I mean, our, our model does assume that if interest rates go up, that cap rates will go up marginally, for sure. But at this stage, it's too, too hard to say with the interest rates not, um, not generating the kind of inflation that it normally should. So, yeah, we do see a general low flat flattening of the cap rates going forward. Okay, interesting. And what about where we are in the cycle, Barbara? Um, you know, overall, kind of the cycle, economic cycle, we are here in the U.S., the commercial real estate cycle. And then specifically, industrial, might it have a little bit longer runway than some of the other asset classes? Well, certainly in the case of industrial, again, because a lot of, there's a lot of movement in, um, in uh, the e-commerce world, especially since now that Amazon's bought Whole Foods, everybody's questioning, well, what's next? What does that mean? Are there going to be a new distribution network for organic food? And how is Amazon going to change the whole logistics for that industry? So it's always, uh, you know, it's a very Amazon-driven uh, industry. And so, but there's still a lot of optimism for the industrial. As far as the broader economy, Again, I think there's still momentum in this economy. If you look at, uh, I do a chart showing the cumulative growth rate of real GDP compared to previous uh, expansions. And even though we are already seven quarters past the duration of the last expansion, we've only grown just ahead of the last expansion, which means, you know, we are not growing at a robust rate. We haven't been we haven't seen robust growth at all throughout this expansion. And while that has been very frustrating for a lot of investors and a lot of business people, it's actually been very healthy because it hasn't created any of the overinvestment, the overspeculation, or the imbalances that you frequently see when you see a very, very strong rate of growth. And, you know, without the boom, we're not going to have as much of a bust, or we don't even see the, the downturn going forward. It still looks like we have enough momentum to grow at another 2% this year, maybe two, probably 2% next year. We're adding about 2 million jobs every year. And, again, we, we still have enough slack in the labor force that we can afford to continue to expand the, the employment pool and still draw from those who have not been in the labor force for, you know, eight years. You know, that's such good news, what I hear you saying there. I think I can almost hear just lovely music in the background <laughs> because I think you're right. I mean, we've had really a slow improvement in the economy, and it's kind of open. Uh, the windows have been open longer for companies, for real estate developers and investors uh, to, to make some moves and, and to grow in this economy. Well, if you can, Barbara, uh, leave us with a tip either for investor or developer uh, or user related to industrial and logistics today? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, certainly know your market, but most of the industrial players do. Um, you know, it's a, good, it's a good business to be in, and I would really stick with the, the businesses where there's the hubs. I think it's all about the transportation and um, the hubs like Memphis, um, Atlanta, Houston. Um, but you're seeing it across the country, really. I, there, I, the one thing I should add is every single industrial sector is showing vacancy rates decline and rent, positive rent growth. So some are growing faster than others, but everything, every industry, that, every market that we track is seeing positive growth. So we're very optimistic about this continuing. That's excellent news, and the pretty music is still playing. Barbara, thanks for joining <laughs> us today. 
Anytime. Good to talk to you. All right. And uh, thanks for joining us. Now, stay with us. I'm going to have a developer come in Studio One who does a lot of large development, deals with a lot of tenants around the country, get his take on the market and what we should expect moving forward. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Hi, this is Michael Ball. Check out Plum Lending, the $1 to $25 million commercial real estate specialist. Plum offers you speed, certainty, and preferential terms because it's all driven by technology. Visit GetYourPlumLoan.com. That's GetYourPlumLoan.com. Build Out, the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit buildout.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty Asset and Occupancy Solutions, uh, licensed in nine southeast states, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com. Well, today we're talking logistics. We're talking industrial real estate. We're talking warehouse, and now we're going to talk about ports. Please welcome my guest, Bart Gobill. He's Senior Director, Economic Development, Government Affairs with the Georgia Port Authority, and he's joining us on Skype. Bart, thanks for being with us. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me this, uh, today. Well, well, Bart, there's certainly been a lot of changes in logistics and, and in retail uh, and in warehousing, industrial real estate. You guys have made some major changes uh, at your port there in Savannah. I don't, what, what, what's it mean? What are you seeing from uh, your desk today? Yeah, it, it's been a nonstop uh, flurry of activity, uh, especially over the past few years or so uh, with the expansion of the Panama Canal opening uh, last July. Uh, we've seen uh, we've seen a record year um, here uh, in Savannah, uh, as well as uh, other uh, ports uh, in Brunswick, Georgia, as well. Uh, and so it's it's nonstop. And of course, that uh, we need to have that supply chain. It doesn't just end at the water. It doesn't just end at the terminal. Uh, it ends beyond uh, beyond our our gates here uh, in Savannah. And so we we've seen a flurry of activity. Uh, both uh, um, near our port as well as areas all the way up into the Atlanta market. So it's, it's been very positive. Yeah, and your increase in volume, Bart, is that coming from the economy doing well or is that coming from uh, the deepening of the port? Uh, you know, what, what, do you, what do you think? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I uh, would like to take credit for it all. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a number of different things. The economy is just doing so well right now. Uh, and, and it's also the fact that uh, we're starting to see these larger ships come into the East Coast, moving from the West Coast. Uh, they were traditionally calling on the West Coast. Now with the canals, I said, opening up and being wider. Uh, we're seeing uh, we're seeing larger vessels, not necessarily more vessels, but larger vessels uh, calling on the East Coast ports. Uh, so it's not only just us here in Savannah. Um, uh, other other ports up and down the East Coast are doing ex extremely well. However, what we have done here at the Georgia Ports Authority, uh, from the investments that we have made over the past 10 years, plus with the investment plan that we have. Uh, moving forward, uh, we've, we've uh, purchased uh, 10 more cranes, massive cranes uh, that come in from uh, China. 
to help us get to these large, large uh, vessels and take products on and off of them. Uh, and, and so it's it's the economy. It's the fact that our service uh, is impeccable here at the Georgia Ports Authority, uh, as well as uh, as well as our location into the markets that are growing into the southeast, as well as into the Midwest. So uh, it's a number of different factors uh, um, that uh, that allow us uh, to to have grown uh, tremendously. Um, I was actually just looking at some numbers uh, last night. Uh, in 2010, our volume was uh, 2.8 million TEUs, which is kind of a unit we use to measure ports to port. Uh, we'll probably hit 4 million this year. So that's a 43% growth uh, in that seven-year uh, uh, time frame. So it's just it's phenomenal. Yeah. And the numbers are pretty big on what you guys have invested in the port as well, right? Uh, it's, un- it's unbelievable. We've, uh, we've invested about a billion dollars. So the, the, the expansion project to deepen our harbor, that, that is close to a billion dollars in and of itself. Uh, and so that's that's made up of that's funded through a number of different uh, of of, uh, of uh, monetary funds through state taxes uh, tax dollars as well as federal tax dollars. So that's a billion dollars. But on the terminal uh, and around the terminal, the port authority, based on the revenue that we have from our customers, uh, we've invested a billion dollars over the last ten years, and we're going to invest another two billion dollars uh, of our capital expenditure. Our plan is to invest two billion dollars over the, over the next ten years as well. Wow. And so it's uh, it's one of those. It's it, we're we're a heavy utility type of type of business where we're constantly investing, constantly churning dollars back into the system so we can effectively and efficiently serve our customers and end use customers, your customers as well. Yeah. Well, I'd have to say that you know a billion here and a billion there. Pretty soon you're talking about real money. Right? Real money. You're exactly <laughs> so right. What is right. the impact, Bart? Or, you know, around the country, the southeast uh, to of, of this port and its expansion and growth. Yeah. Um, so directly, the studies that we've done through the University of Georgia uh, that we've indicated that they've indicated that uh, the the we have about a 370,000 jobs that we support uh, in the state of Georgia. Uh, it's about uh, a seventh uh, of of the gross domestic product for the state itself. It's about which translates to about 35, 40 billion dollars. Again, billion dollars. What you know? What's it really mean? Uh, but then nationally, it's 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 much more just important in general. Um, you know, and, and so if we really think through, it's it's not only just the import side, but it's the export side, and, and it's both. We have you have products coming in to be manufactured, processed, and then exported out to be sold into the global market. Uh, and so it's a tremendous uh, of impact uh, that, that we have. Uh, we have 1,100 employees that are Georgia Ports Authority employees um, on our terminal. But um, just to kind of put that in perspective, we also have probably another two or 2,500 other employees that call uh, the terminal, their office. These are longshoremen. These are stevedores. Different parts of the of the overall logistics process. So, uh, so it's not only just us. It's the people out here uh, on a daily basis that work on our terminal that call call this place uh, home when they're away from home. Yeah. Well, uh, Bart, I think uh, our audience would be interested to hear from you with the participants that you get you get to talk to every day, you know, around the world. Are you seeing any change on imports and exports with, you know, Trump's nationalism talk? Uh, you know, what are people saying? What are you hearing? What are you seeing? Yeah, you've seen um, you've seen a little bit of, of both. We're, we're traditionally uh, in Savannah. We have been a, uh, a basically a balanced port. 
for it's been about 50, 52 percent, 55 percent import base with that 48, uh, you know, with the 48, 45 uh, percent export uh, um, makeup. Um, and that's really kind of been about the same. That changes a little bit, but that's more to the fact of how the dollar is compared to other currencies. Um, and but we'll we'll track where we consistently are. So if uh, like a West Coast port might West Coast uh, port might be about seventy percent import. You know we you know we, we usually track around with what they're doing um, uh, proportionally. So uh, to answer your question directly though, it's still a lot of the unknown. You know where, where uh, the president has come out obviously made made some statements about trade agreements. Um, uh, we feel that we'll benefit from from the current trade agreements and we'll we'll benefit from other agreements that allow. American products to be exported because we are we have a lot of uh, ships and, and services that call on us last, which is a good thing um, when they're departing to go to other parts of the world. So when you you make your product, you bring it into the Savannah market, we'll put it on the ship and we'll be the last port of call uh, to leave the United States as it goes abroad. So it, it, I think overall. Uh, Folks are still trying to figure it out. We've seen some announcements, the Toyota Mazda, let's go invest in the United States. But again, we're, we're still importing products into the United States that allows for manufacturing to occur and jobs to be continue to be created uh, and then export those products uh, overseas as well. And, and also I want to add, too, with the agricultural products, too, with, with Georgia obviously being a, a strong, it's number one industry in the state of Georgia's agriculture. So that, that benefits us, whether it's onions, whether it's it's cotton, other products uh, going abroad. So we, we, we've benefited from both. Yeah. And I recently took a tour with the Georgia CCM chapter of your port. You guys uh, did a great tour, and it's amazing to see just how evolved uh, this port is and what you guys do there and and also the technology so Bart how, how has the technology changed uh, over the years uh, with all your products and containers and, and tracking them and things it's it's fascinating mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm not the IT guy so for me just to understand a little bit of what's going on uh, it, it's just mind-boggling when, when folks come out on the on on our tours uh, for the ports but to tell them it's, it's really it's not that difficult because we're moving boxes from point A to point B to point C and then onto a ship and it departs. But all the technology that goes in from when a trucker pulls up uh, to our gate, gets a ticket, there's an RFID system that allows us to say, okay, here comes Bob uh, or Julie coming on in. All right, you're coming in to pick up this box. It's over here. Uh, so we have, as you can imagine, the infrastructure and the system that we have in place that says you need to go to this specific box uh, at this, this specific location to pick this up. And then the gentleman, uh, the ladies in, up in one of the cranes will then will, will take that and they'll see you coming in and they'll, they'll know where to move it. So it's unbelievable the amount of technology, the constant capital expenditures in which we're improving our technology uh, because it's all about the customers and in and, and making sure that they get their products to the market quickest and first. Uh, we want to make sure that, uh, that our systems don't hold those up, don't hold those products up. We don't want to, you know, we, you know, we, we want to be there for you continually, and we don't want you to notice our service from the standpoint of when it's down. And so that that's a, a constant battle of making sure that we're we're uh, we're improving the system. So we're, you know, like all ports, uh, as technology has, has been introduced to improve the system, we're taking a look at those and we're making some massive investments uh, for the future because we're, we're, we're growing. We're all going to continue to grow on the East Coast as well. And so we want to make sure that we're there and that we're, we're prepared for those spikes. Yeah. And what areas of the country are you guys feeding from this port? 
Sure. Of course, the southeast uh, in the Atlanta market, uh, as, the, as the Atlanta market grows. But we're also four hours to Orlando or four hours to Charlotte on a truck. Um, but then we're building out a mega rail system. Um, it's a $144 million project. It will be done probably in 2021 uh, timeframe, which will allow us to feed into the Chicago market, uh, Columbus, Ohio market, the Memphis market, which is a great market because it's a, a lot of uh, warehousing space there, uh, which uh, the Nashville market as well. So we're not only just looking at the we're, we're the Georgia Ports Authority, but we look beyond the state of Georgia uh, for uh, for our customers, uh, of course, uh, in where the warehousing space is, the industrial space is, uh, but we're really working to get up into the upper Midwest of the United States. And that has allowed us with the canal opening and widening that allows uh, folks to, we're the, we're the east, I'm sorry, the westernmost port in the United States. So we're, we're, we're directly south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. A lot of folks don't realize that. So that means we can get product to the upper Midwest into the Midwest region a lot quicker than other ports on the East Coast. Yeah, that's interesting. So give the listeners an idea of the scope of the size of, of your port there. Some people may not realize how big it really is. We are the fourth largest port in the United States by volume. Uh, and so you have L.A. and Long Beach right next to each other, New York, and then there's Savannah. A lot of folks don't realize that. They think Sleepy Savannah. We're just, you know, kind of a maybe 10th, 15th. But we're the fourth largest port in the United States. Uh, in terms of volume, like I said, we'll probably reach about 4 million TEUs this year, which is a, a 20-foot equivalent unit, which is, a, a, a you know, if you see a, a tractor trailer going up and down the highway, that's usually a 40-foot equivalent unit, just kind of put things into perspective. Uh, we have the largest singular single terminal in the United States. Uh, it's a massive terminal uh, right here in Savannah. So it's one terminal. So instead of having to go back and forth between terminals all around the city, you just come here to Garden City, which is right outside of Savannah. Uh, it is uh, it is it's massive. Uh, it is it's hundreds of acres, uh, and we're continuing to grow. Yeah. So I saw one uh, note that said it's uh, 1,200 acres. 1,200 acres. Yep, wow. that's correct. 100 yeah. acres. Uh, and we, what, what it allows us to do is and we've divided it up. So we obviously are moving the exports closer to the ship as the ship gets ready to unload and then, you know, then again, reload back up uh, for to, before it departs. Uh, but uh, we have different spaces where if you're just bringing in an empty, we can kind of uh, segregate you into a certain part so you don't have to go around to the whole terminal. So it allows you to do multiple trips. Um, our truckers in the community, they'll probably turn about seven trips a day. Uh, other ports, that's very that's unheard of. And, and these, these guys are getting getting paid by the trip. So if you can do six or the hustle and do seven a day, you're making a really good uh, income uh, for the community as well. Uh, and so that, that allows us this, this fluidity um, and velocity of, of, uh, of the way that we operate. And due to the size uh, of the actual terminal itself allows us, to, uh, allows us to have that workforce that we need. And Bart, what would you tell our, our listeners regarding the future of logistics and imports and exports and the ports? Uh, what do you see down the road? Yeah, it's 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 um it, it, it's continuing to change. That's what we see down the road. Uh, and, you know, that's the, the saying is the only constant is change, uh, and that's that's going to occur. Uh, and so on the on the uh, industrial side, on the warehousing side, as as e-commerce becomes a lot more uh, of of the way people operate, you know, what are those changes going to look like into the real estate market? Uh, and and as everybody asked me about it, like, well, if I if I knew that, I'd, I'd be making a lot more money than I'm 
that I'm making right now, <laughs> right? Um, we'd have that market cornered. But uh, we, it, it's we're we're constantly working with our um, end use customers uh, and and with the retailers, uh, and saying what do you whether it's online or or um, or with a, with a store location, brick and mortar retailers, what are you seeing? How can we help you? How can we help in the economic development department? How can we help you um, continue to to uh, to move forward and to serve your customers so so it's it's timing i guess is really to answer your question is is, is going to be how fast can you get your product to, to the customer um and what is what what exactly where are you bringing it to them before it actually gets to the customer and so those are those are the two big things that we see and that we face uh in, in the years to come right well very interesting bart thanks for joining us today we appreciate you being on the show thank you very much thanks for having me happy day Yeah, and uh, thanks for joining us, and stay with us. We'll have more on industrial real estate, on warehouses, on logistics. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today, we are talking logistics. We're talking distribution. We're talking industrial real estate. And uh, this segment is brought to you by GetYourPlumLoan.com. It's an interesting site. You can really get lenders to compete for your business online very quickly. Check it out at GetYourPlumLoan.com. Well, please welcome my guest today. We have Larry Callahan. He's with Patillo Industrial Real Estate. He's here in Studio One. Larry, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Well, Larry, industrial real estate's really been a hot market. You know, we've we've all seen it with e-commerce and everything going on around the country and the growth there. It's really been hot, and the economy's been improving. So I guess that comes then that means we're getting new supply, new construction. What are you seeing for new supply out around the country today? Well, we're seeing a lot of it. Um, it is a hot segment, um, and nationally, the reports that I'm seeing are that over 100 million square feet of new industrial real estate has been uh, brought online already this year uh, through the first half of 2017. Um, And most people don't know what 100 million square feet looks like, Uh, but for perspective, that's about 2,222 football fields (laughs) under roof. Um, Not that they're playing football in there, but they, to give you an idea of perspective, you know, y'all know what a football field looks like. That's that's a lot of new space that's going online. If they stay in that same pace, then you've got you know more than 4,000 football fields under roof coming online just this year, new supply. And how big are these buildings typically that are being built today? Well, you know, the, it, it depends obviously on you know which market you're talking about, but uh, the hottest part of the industrial market now for years has been the biggest buildings. These regional distribution centers, uh, fulfillment centers as they call them in the e-commerce world. And uh, those buildings are tending to be a million to a million two. Uh, so that's, you're talking, you know, 22 football fields <laughs> under roof in one building. So that's, a, it's a big building. And 
so it's the hottest part of the market. So if you look at like the averages that are happening in the big markets, uh, which are, you know, uh, Chicago, Lehigh Valley, Dallas, Atlanta, Inland Empire, New Jersey, those, those big markets, uh, these big buildings are million square foot buildings and your average is, you know, average buildings getting built are somewhere in the 400,000 square foot range. They tend to be larger buildings, not smaller ones. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's probably the biggest trend is great big regional distribution centers uh, being put in all over the country. And how high are the ceilings? What's the clear span uh, ceiling height and typically in these new buildings like that? Well, there's, it, it's been pushing up now for years. Uh, the standard is probably 34 feet for most of them at this point, but there's a number of them that are pushing up over 40. And I don't know that there's that many e-commerce companies that are actually using that full um, amount of space, the full cube as they call it, uh, but they are doing that just planning for the future that they might actually go up that high. Yeah, and how does this new supply level trend when you look back at uh, kind of historic levels? Well, we're at record amounts of activity uh, in, and it's, you know, we came out of a long recession where there wasn't much going on and then the first thing that really started happening was Amazon building, you know, distribution centers around the country and uh, some people have described this as a Goldilocks economy because it's not too hot, not too cold. <laughs> um, it, it, it was slow to recover, there was a lot of space that had to fill back up. But this slow and steady um, recovery that we've been going through has been very good for industrial. Uh, we haven't had a rush of oversupply, even though we've got a lot going on. Uh, nationally, the um, demand for industrial has exceeded the supply for 28 straight quarters now. Nice. So Nice. So how long do you think these good times are going to last for uh, industrial real estate? Well, I guess, uh, you know, I'll talk about my own company for a second. Uh, right now, we're starting a round of speculative buildings in various cities uh, throughout the southeast. Uh, and it's because we believe we can build those. We think the demand is there. We will fill them and stabilize them before there's any downturn. So we're betting it's actually years to come. And, you know, it's, it, there's risk always in, in everything. All through the world, there's always a shock that could happen that, yeah. that changes the picture. But this steady growth in the economy, uh, it's, it's been struggling to get to a 2% rate of growth, but it's been continuing to grow. And this is all happening you know, without an, a change in the healthcare uh, in the country or tax reform or infrastructure uh, that's all been talked about. None of that has actually happened, but the economy is just steadily continuing to grow. And you know, we're looking at most recent reports, uh, mid-year 2017, uh, the earnings of the S&P 500 were up 10%. And, you know, that's, that's pretty nice. And then the revenue was up 5%. Those are pretty healthy growth rates. And so, you know, companies are doing things. Uh, the economy is, is working. It's transforming while it happens. And one of those transformations uh, is very important to industrial real estate. And that transformation is that things that used to happen at malls or in retail buildings are now more and more happening in industrial buildings. And that is a rapid growth. Um, it, it, the, the increase in revenue in e-commerce is running around 10% a year. Wow. And just that alone is generating about 50 to 60 million square feet of demand for new industrial product you know, in the market. So that is, you know, if, I, if we stay on the same pace we were talking about earlier, 
we might deliver 200 million square feet of new industrial space during the course of this year. And you know, 50 to 60 million square feet of it at least is going to be oriented toward the e-commerce fulfillment centers. Okay. And you talk about there's always some risk. Uh, you talk about new supply, and you guys are doing spec. Of that unprecedented amount of new supply that, that's coming online this year, how much of that is spec? Well, you know, there's a lot of numbers. A lot of people put out numbers all over, but, you know, you kind of look at where the, the, the average number is coming out. And um, most of it is like three-quarters of it is speculative. And it's noteworthy wow. to, to think about that because if you go back a few years ago, there was a note of caution that was still in the air. You know, maybe it came from the sources of capital. Uh, maybe it, it, it was just developers having been burned during a downturn. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of it was build to suit for four or five years, you know, from 2010 to 13, 14. But it has shifted now to speculative. And part of that, too, is that, you know, we talk about uh, record amounts of new construction are coming online. We're also at record vacancy rates. If you, various reports, again, people have different rates depending on what they include in it uh, as far as the vacancy rate. But one report I saw recently said that the current national vacancy rate is about 3% below what the long-term trend is. So we're in a tight market. So developers that are out, um, you know, call it speculative construction, but what they're actually doing is meeting a demand that's out there. There's a steady flow of demand for this product, especially the newer product with you know, taller, uh, clear heights. And then one other thing that has become really important in, in the new buildings that are coming in, and that is parking. And it's one of the reasons why so much of this, especially the e-commerce, is tending to go to build-a-suit projects or new speculative construction that was designed by people that really know what they're doing. They need more parking, they can't, more people. Exactly. They're putting lots of people. These fulfillment centers are not a place where they store goods. These are a place where they bring things in and get them back out real quickly, and they need a lot of people in there. Um, you know, for instance, just recently, uh, Amazon announced uh, a, a national job fair where they were hiring people on the spot, and they, they, they were doing it in five or six maybe seven locations around the country, but they were going to hire 50,000 people. Wow. I mean, they're, you know, people wonder, like, what do I do? Where should I go? What, what should I do next? I thought they were just an online company. <laughs> <laughs> they're an online company that now has a very large real estate footprint, yeah. and a lot of people are working for them. They're not up to the level of, you know, Walmart, who has, you know, a lot of people. I think they're one of the larger employers in the country, but they are rapidly adding people. Yeah. So what else is new in these newer buildings, Larry? Is there anything new with sustainability or technology that uh, you're seeing today? Well, I think we're at a transition point. You know, obviously, uh, people that are in the know on industrial have you know, been watching the trend toward taller and taller buildings for a long time. Mm -hmm. But the, the one thing that these buildings, when you start thinking of something that's 22 football fields under one roof in a million square foot building um, or a million two, th those size buildings have a lot of lights in them. And if you're the one paying the electricity bill, you care a lot about that. So one of the trends that we're seeing pretty strong push for now, and we think we've hit that transition point, is people looking for LED lighting. And most people that are listening here have, you know, at least thought about as you go through the store, you know, buying an LED light. And when you pick them up, you think, wow, that's a really an expensive bulb. But go back again. If you hadn't gone back in the last couple of years, the prices are starting to come down. 
And I think we're at that transition point when we're looking at a commercial thing where you're going to see more and more people looking for that because it just saves them so much money. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, you know, we're using LED lights in some of our spaces at uh, in our office, and uh, it's much nicer light. And like you said, it uh, reduces your utility costs over time. So, it's so as an example, how much more in a in a million square foot industrial building would you increase your cost uh, by doing all LED today? Well, uh, I'll tell you how. Uh, how most of them is going if if it's a bill to suit they're asking the landlord to put that cost in um, and so we're incurring it you end up getting it back through the rent um, and I think we're at a transition there was a point in time where if somebody wanted the LED that was an outlier and you wouldn't be sure that the next person might want that but um, it today's uh, you're seeing more and more landlords that are willing to put that in as part of the whole LED package as part yeah. of what they're doing and is that adding what a couple hundred thousand dollars a cost or what, Again, depending on the size of, of the yeah, building, yeah. Uh, but the cost has come down so much recently, I hesitate to quote a yeah. dollar per square foot yeah. number, um, but it's because uh, it's rapidly moving down. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, in a, in a building of this size, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah. for that. Yeah. But the savings accrues to the tenant, and they're willing to go in that building and, and be effective at what they're doing and they're going to be more effective as their operating costs are less. Yeah. And are, are you seeing, Larry, any increase in demand in your industrial properties around the southeast U.S. where you are, and I guess now you're doing some, some properties in other places around the country from non-e-commerce tenants? Uh, is the kind of the market, the uh, pro-business environment we're in and, and seeing, is that helping your uh, other tenants? Well, there's a general optimism that is uh, present in the business community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of trends all the time, but consumer confidence is one thing people talk about. Businesses are uh, quietly making bets and doing things. They're expanding. Uh, they're consolidating operations. They're adjusting. And one theme that I think is, is true is um, the, the, the uh, trend toward uh, e-commerce, the selling of things, the establishment of a presence online, um, that is something that is pervasive. So there are certain companies that are, you know, the Amazons of the world that are, are uh, a internet-based company. They started, that's, that was what their whole thing was. But everybody else that's selling things has got some sort of presence on the web also. And, uh, and so really e-commerce is threading through everything we do. And, and every, every company out there has come, come up with a approach. I mean, take, take Home Depot as an example. Uh, Home Depot used to place, and it was actually a fun thing for guys to do on the weekend, even if we needed just a, an LED light bulb. We'd get in our pickup truck and ride over to the Home Depot, and we would, you know, uh, buy, buy a light and put it in the back and drive it home. Uh, that was an adventure. Um, <laughs> people are doing that less and less. Uh, not that it isn't still a fun thing to do, uh, but uh, more and more people are going online and ordering that. You know, Home Depot is, has not been adding a lot of new um, uh, retail locations, but they have been building big fulfillment centers that are tapping into the e-commerce. Yeah, well, it's certainly a great market, and uh, industrial owners and investors uh, are loving it. Larry, thanks for joining us today. Well, glad to be here. Thank you. And thanks for joining us wherever you're listening or watching the show. Thanks for being with us. And join us next week. We'll have another great show for you. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. 
commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions. Real Crowd, crowdfunding with the professionals. Excelligent, building data everywhere. Plum Lending, online commercial real estate loans. Build Out, marketing for your brokerage. Barnes Creative Studios, commercial real estate video production.